Welcome to the Hottest Party on TV podcast. I'm your host, music writer and pop culture enthusiast, Jerome Graham. This week, we're going back into the vaults and remastering the second ever episode of the podcast and revisiting my chat with Club MTV dancer, Leslie Bell. She had a really fun, dare I say, fish out of water story in that she was a new wave alternative goth chick who was specifically cast for Club MTV because they wanted to add some edgy new wave types to the show. They found Leslie voguing up a storm in a new wave club and boom, she landed a spot on the show. While she was dancing on Club MTV, she also started working for MTV behind the scenes on 120 Minutes, the alternative music show, and in the news department. So of course we talk about that too. There's also a fun story about Club MTV dancer Christian Liendo on this one. When this interview was recorded last year, it was set up by Christian. So while I was hoping to chat with him then, um, that he was really busy, he recommended that I should chat with Leslie in the meantime. So it's fun to put this reissued episode out right after the episode I finally got to do with Christian. So not only that, there's also some really fun memories of Leslie of bands like Modern English and The Creatures and what it was like getting to see Grace Jones perform on Club MTV. All right, so let's get into my interview with Leslie Bell. Hey, how's it going? I hope this is Jerome Graham, otherwise I just sounded very silly. Oh no, it's it's me. Hey, Leslie. Good to hear from you. Yeah. You probably don't remember me since I was part of the new wave brigade that came in late. Right. I'm hoping to, yeah, get into that because that's like a really interesting story. Ah, it was pretty funny, actually. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's go to... So what you doing? Well, I'm on a break from work. <laughs> so <laughs> took a bit of time so I could do a quick chat with you. Um, Really excited. Like, I've got a bunch of these lined up in March and then hopefully get these out by the end of the month. So, oh, fun. Yeah. Um, so let's go to the beginning. So, what years did you dance on the show? I believe I was there from the end of 89 through on and off 91, because 91 I was in college. Okay. So I was there sometimes, yes, sometimes no. <laughs> so you but 1990 was like the sweet spot. I was there for every show. Okay. That's, so that's like when like the set had changed and all of that. Mm-hmm. I came in just before the set changed. Oh, wow. All right. And were you watching the show prior to? I didn't have cable. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was dancing at a nightclub. Oh, wow. And they spotted you there? Yeah, they were apparently recruiting at a place. I don't know if it was Krypton's or The Haven by then. It went through a couple of names. But it was in Banksville, New York, on the Connecticut border. And they were recruiting for new wave people. Because 
Krypton's was a new wave club. Oh. And I was up on a pedestal voguing to something. And I got someone asked if I want to be on Club MTV. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. So they specifically wanted new wave alternative types. Absolutely. There were a bunch of us that joined the show at the same time. And I used to call it the MC Jacket Crew. <laughs> Everyone that came in had a motorcycle jacket. Wow. You could pick us out in the show. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, like, what type of music were you listening to prior to joining? Uh, new Wave and Industrial and some house. Okay. So not uh, not necessarily a lot of uh, Paula Abdul or Debbie Gibson. Yeah, less that. <laughs> <laughs> they actually, Julie Brown once had me introduce a song and it was a Depeche Mode song so they went for one of the goth kids worst choice ever oh no they took a 17 year old white girl from the suburbs and asked her to comment on racism I almost died and Julie Brown I gave a very serious answer because what am I going to do make a joke about it was the song people are people Mm mm-hmm and I was like, well, you know, I should get it to your, maybe if this information gets into people's leisure time and their head, what, I was trying to be intelligent about it. It didn't come off well. And Julie Brown was like, well, I guess I have to bring everyone else back up now. <laughs> I'm like, well, thanks. What the hell did you want me to say? I'm 17. I'm white. I'm from the suburbs. I know nothing. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I knew right. Depeche Mode. And they were also white. <laughs> Right, right. Oh, wow. So what was like a typical day of taping like for you back then? It it always cracked me up because we'd be dragging eight shows worth of clothes with us a day, I think. So I would come into the city the night before and stay over with a relative so that I could haul into Webster Hall first thing in the morning with all my crap and everyone else had their crap and I remember getting ready and with all the girls and trying to put together outfits. That was a major project. <laughs> Having to have enough outfits for all the shows when one did not have money to go buy lots of outfits. I got very creative. Oh, yeah. I think to the New York City drag scene for teaching me how to make fashion out of nothing. <laughs> oh, nice. So you were part of like that whole drag or ball culture at the time? Well, too white for the ball culture, but definitely <laughs> raised by drag queens, so to speak. In fact, uh, there was someone by the name of John Xavier. His boyfriend, Steve Nichols, was on the show long before me. And uh, he would design clothes for us sometimes. Oh, nice. I was a tiny thing, so I was mannequin-sized. <laughs> So I wore John Xavier Originals and did a lot of sewing. Very cool. Uh, We mentioned her before already, but what was your experience like with downtown Julie Brown? I didn't have a lot of personal interaction with her, so I couldn't really comment. Okay. It kind of seems... I had just that one, you know, let's introduce a song and... And have Julie Brown turn to the camera, make me look foolish, and call it a day. (laughs) Uh, 
Yeah, I'm going to have to find that clip. I know I've seen it. No, I'll put the audio in here when this oh, goes on. Oh, it's out. horrible. I sound so bad. Oh, no. I sound like a 17-year-old idiot. I think when artists let people know that everyone's just the same, it gets into their leisure time and it gets into their head. Well, great. Well, now I'm going to bring you back up, okay? <laughs> Sorry bringing you down. Come on. Let's all get down. A Club MTV classic. People are people. And that was the whole point of that question. And we're all together. Music has no color barriers. So here they are. So did you have favorite people that you danced with on the show? Oh, absolutely. In fact, one of them ended up being my prom date. Oh, wow. You remember a guy, he went called himself Bobby Metro. His name is Bob McGargy. Yes, I do. He had short, spiky hair. We became great friends, and he came to my prom with me. And he had the bleach white hair, and I had dyed black hair, so we looked like Susie and Budgie. (laughs) That's so cool. We were the scandal of my prom. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, I can imagine, yeah. And also Steve Nichols and I became very good friends along with his significant other. Well, I'm very sad I lost track of over the years. Although through the Club MTV group, I just found out during the pandemic that he was working as a hairdresser in New York City. But all the hairdresser places closed. But now I have to wait to find him again. But I will. Right. Yeah, I'm definitely going to try and uh, track him down for the podcast. Oh, if I find him, shall I send him your way? That would be fabulous. Thank you. All right. So, bit of a- he actually dyed my hair when I went to meet my in-laws. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, These people were part of my life. Yeah, because it does seem like you would have spent so much time with with that group of people. It was baby kids, especially Steve Nichols and I spent so much time together years after the show was over. Hmm. He was my clubbing boyfriend. Oh, that's awesome. (laughs) So while you were there on the show, did you have any favorite uh, performances that you got to see? Yes, it's the Rebel MC. That and the Creatures. Oh my God, the Creatures came on and I died because Susie's my hero. Oh, well, that must have been awesome for you. I made sure I was front and center when she and Budgie were on stage. I think half the place never heard of them. In fact, oh my God, Julie Brown didn't even know who she was and what she'd done. I was mortified. Oh. If you look at the video clip, she gets wrong what the creatures are. Oh no. Yeah, she had no idea who she was talking to. And that's crazy because they'd been on the show maybe, I think, two years before. <laughs> Probably as Susie and the Banshee. Right, right. I think they did Peekaboo. The fact that it was the apparently confused her. Oh. And Susie corrected her with a sort of, huh? (laughs) (laughs) I I was offended for her. Here we go. with the Eyes of Fury and the Creatures. Budgie, honey, why don't you come from behind the drum set? Hi, honey, how are you? Good to see you again. I'm fine, honey. How are you? I just ended. Last time we saw you, last time we saw you, you were doing um, peekaboo, but right now you're taking a break. You do this often, don't you? Take a break from Susie and the Banshees and come out as a different... No, not often. Not often, just when you feel like it. Yeah. 
Just went, well, I'm glad you felt like it today. How's that? Anyway, if you want a particular clip here on Club MTV, here's the address to write. So on that note, did you find that there was enough like alternative stuff being played? Because they would sprinkle some in every so often. Yeah, I'll admit I had a little too much of Taylor Dane and gosh, who were those three girls? Oh, expose. There was another three. They played them to death. Sweet something. Oh, sweet sensation. Maybe. I know there was some R&B that just killed me. (laughs) But I would get so happy when either like Technotronic would come on or CNC Music Factory. You know, the real upbeat. House of Love came to the show once, which I liked. Oh, cool. I liked the moments when house music still lived. D-Mob. That was a great one. Oh, D-Mob with Kathy Dennis. Yes. (laughs) Very cool. That was, I still use that track in my workout. <laughs> <laughs> and then, did you get to take part in any of, like, the big choreographed routines? No, I uh, missed out on those. <laughs> yeah. And then, I guess at that point, while you were on the show, so that would have been, like, 89 to 91, it seemed like mm-hmm. the show had really gotten really big. So they were incorporating, you know, the dancers into other programming or doing like right, uh, music videos, mm-hmm. spring break thing and all that. I didn't do any of that. Uh, was it just not something you were interested in or just like timing? No, I would have been. Yeah, I was speaking with Lonnie about that last week, and he'd mentioned that there was sort of like a core group amongst the dancers that they would ask for that type of thing. So I think there was someone named Frank. There was someone who was a tremendous dancer. Oh, I think he went on to be a dancer and choreographer. Tall, slender. Oh, gosh. He was at the one reunion I went to. I can't remember his name. He was so talented, black, tall, slender, uh, flexible. Was it Darren? I'm not sure. But he was so talented. I think it might be Darren. He he went on to choreograph for, like, the Backstreet Boys and that yes, type of thing. that must be him. Oh, nice. Very cool. <laughs> I, the longer I was on the show, the better the talent got. Oh, interesting. Why do you think that I is? Think, I think... Uh, Either it was the whole culture or who they were bringing into the show or maybe the dancers that were already there started to step it up. But if you look at the shows, you see people start dressing better. The dance moves get more intricate. You know, when the show started, it was like the white man two-step. <laughs> and, and then eventually you got some real dancers on there. Right, yeah. You, you definitely notice a change as the show goes on. Something that I've seen, especially like uh, the comments on YouTube, and I think maybe some of the fans in the the Facebook group have mentioned too, it seems like the show got, I don't want to say sexier because that was always sort of an element of the show, but like it definitely kicked it up a notch around like 90, 91. Yeah, that's true. The, uh, the popularity of the bra top. We all shopped at Patricia Field. Right, right. There wasn't a girl there that didn't have something from Patricia Field. <laughs> That's awesome. Especially the black bra top. 
Oh, yeah, there were a lot of those. Great piece of clothing. Were you there for the Red Hot Chili Peppers performance? Yes. (laughs) I believe that was accompanied by a small meltdown from Miss Julie Brown, wasn't it? Uh, from what I recall, yeah. They, they tore up the bathroom or something. Oh, no. But she was not, uh, she was not pleased with her interactions with them. Right, I remember they had, Which like, for us dancers was a trip. Right. They trashed, like, their <laughs> instruments and all of that, too. They were being the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Right, that's who they were what at else? the time. <laughs> it was fantastic. The only person who didn't like it was Julie Brown. Yeah, it seems like between them and uh, the dead milkman, she didn't have a ton of uh, luck with uh, those bands. I never saw the dead milkman. Oh, I'll send that to you. Have you seen the clip of it? No. Okay. I never knew they played the show. They did. They really must have confused her. Oh, was not pleasant. I'll send you the clip. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Yeah, um, and then... Oh, and I just remembered when Adamant came on. Oh. I had such a crush on him. Oh, so that would have been around, what, 90? Yep, 1990, room at the top. Oh, wow. That must have been a lot of fun. It was. He was so dreamy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so then in 91... Did you feel at any point like you could see the steam starting to run out of the show? It definitely looked a lot different than when I started. Oddly enough, around that time, I got a job working in the MTV News Department. Oh, right on. And I ended up being in a programming meeting for how they were going to replace Club MTV, because apparently they had felt it had run its course. Okay, so this is really interesting. And it was before the grind, so I guess that was their replacement idea. I didn't really see it losing steam, if anything. I saw it got a little glossier, the production values went up, the dancers got better. No, I don't think I saw it dying. Interesting. And I'm pretty sure I'd tell you. <laughs> right, I'm sure. If anything, I thought the grind was a poor replacement. Yeah, it, it didn't have the same energy, at least I felt, watching. Same, I agree. And there was something that grew up in Club MTV that couldn't be recreated. Interesting. So... Around what time would you say that talk was starting to happen? Uh, Well, it was interesting. With each set change, you can almost see the differences. Hmm. Like we went from the club MTV in the pink and blue squares to the club MTV in the circles with the black background. Mm -hmm. And I remember coming back from college once and I had just changed the sets again. Had like big triangle things. Oh, right. And it felt it was the dance floor was starting to feel a little crowded at that point. Yeah, you definitely saw that they added a lot more people as the the show went yeah. on. Yeah, which made it a little harder to really dance. You know, you need space for that. Definitely. 
um, were you there for the last set of tapings? Probably not. No. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, I was... No, just so I was tied up with school at that point and work, and I couldn't do it anymore. Got it. Yeah, because I believe the shows that aired, I guess, would have been top of 92. Were By 92, I was gone. Oh, okay. So you would have, yeah. Okay. Interesting. So you I was would... working in the news department. <laughs> That's interesting. So did you, like, just pick up an interest in wanting to work there? Or, like, were you in school for... I was going to NYU film school. Okay. And... I had, for good or ill, met Dave Kendall at one of, you know, the alternative nightclub nights. Okay. And I ended up hustling my way into a job working for 120 minutes. Okay. So that seems like a much more natural fit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was a good fit for me. I wrote interviews. That was fun. I wrote an interview for Johnny Rotten. That made my day. Oh, wow. Very cool. How long were you working at MTV? Uh, it was just a year, mostly because uh, Dave Kendall is a horrible, horrible man, and Ooh. it's a shame no one ever put him in jail. All right. So <laughs> Probably should have left sooner than I did. Uh, got it, got it. Okay. But I totally wanted to work for the guy that did Joe's apartment. Right. right. You remember Joe's apartment? <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah. Welcome to Joe's apartment. <laughs> I thought the guy who directed that was a friggin' genius. I did everything I could to campaign his office to take me on. <laughs> uh, it just didn't happen. Nah, it didn't work out, but I had some good experiences working there, so. That's cool. So then, how would you sum up your time on the show? I had a great time. I skipped school two days a month with my mother's blessing to go dance. I mean, what's better than that? Dance, meet great people who were nothing like the people I went to school with. Like I said, I was in the suburbs and didn't really belong there. So I got to meet all these new people and see all these new worlds. You know, I started going out in New York City more and it opened a lot of doorways. It was very nice. And I really enjoyed the people I got to hang out with there. There was this one girl, Rosie. I wish I remembered her last name. She was one of my favorite people in the whole show. Oh, nice. And she was just, you know, bubbly and warm and friendly. And she was pint-sized with a pixie cut. (laughs) And I I wish I could remember her last name because she really was great. She'd be great for you to interview. Oh, nice. I'll have to look into that. If I find, you know what, if I find a screen capture I can take of her, I could send it to you so you know who she is. Oh, awesome. Yeah, that'd be really helpful. I would be happy to do that. <laughs> Thanks. And then if you find her, I can talk to her again. <laughs> yeah. So that works for both of us. Then. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What uh, it was a very happy time for me. Oh, I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, so far... I've heard mostly good things. You know, it's different getting to hear the experience from people that were actually on the show, so. It's true. Do you have any funny or cool stories that you think uh, fans would want to hear? I don't know. 
it was a big moment for me when I got to wear the sunglasses from uh, the lead singer of Modern English. Oh. I was excited Modern English was on the show, and while he was performing, he gave me his glasses to wear. And as a teenage girl who loved Modern English, that was a huge moment. <laughs> oh, right on. Modern that English. and when Grace Jones appeared, he scared the living shit out of me, and I applaud her for it. Oh, that must have been huge. Oh, my gosh. She, while she was performing, she just kind of got up in my face in that Grace Jones way. And I was like, oh, my God, she's going to eat me. <laughs> but that's what was so cool about Grace Jones. <laughs> right. She's such a presence. Terrifyingly talented. Yeah. She's one of a kind, Grace. Those are probably my most amusing memories. All right. Very cool. That and a clip of me and Bob McGargie acting out master and servant. <laughs> wow. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> we were like playing and slapping each other. <laughs> All right. So, what did you go on to do uh, post Club MTV? Well, I discovered that uh, the media business was kind of a cesspool. And it was unfortunately before the Me Too movement. So I left media and post-production, which is what I was working in, and went into IT. And I was part of that little internet boom they had in the 90s. Okay. I worked in Silicon Alley. Wow, that's that's a pretty big difference. Well, I had always been a computer nerd, so I just parlayed using computers for sound design to using them for everything else. That's pretty cool. So I did everything from fix, play bench tech for Apple Computer to eventually being on the board of a billion-dollar tech company. Wow. Yeah, I was way too young. I burnt out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but that's... Still quite the experience, I'd imagine. Oh, it was incredible. Wouldn't trade it for anything. We were literally on the bleeding edge of technology. Wow. I'm responsible for the first ever streaming penthouse pet video. Wait, what? (laughs) One of our clients was Penthouse Magazine. And the magazine was dying, so we took over their website and turned it into a moneymaker. And as the person in the company with a film background, I was tasked with creating the first penthouse streaming video. And this was when uh, Real Networks was brand new. I, I remember sitting on the phone with them trying to come up with the right codec to use with this piece of video so it wouldn't skip all over the internet because uh, nobody had enough bandwidth yet. Right. So I watched a piece of porn involving strawberries and whipped cream so much that I never want to see them again. (laughs) (laughs) But I called up my father. I said, guess what? Your little girl's editing porn. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. It it was a cool place to be, though. Uh, I'm sure. (laughs) (laughs) We literally, when the company, when it was time to go public, we had to go hire some older people to convince the financial world that 
we were legitimate because there was nobody in the company over the age of 30. Oh, wow. The whole tech industry was us little kids. Yeah, that's so that would have been like mid, late 90s? Yeah, mid to late 90s. We were there at the very beginning, so. Wow, so yeah. I actually worked for that company in its first incarnation while I was still in school. So you're a pioneer in, in a way. I like to think so. Oh, that's awesome. So from being on the cutting edge of alternative music to being on the cutting edge of the internet. <laughs> it's true. That's I guess awesome. I've always liked things on the fringes. Oh, very cool. Flying without a net, so to speak. <laughs> it used to be you told, if a client asked if you could do something, you said yes, then ran back to the office and figured out what the hell you were doing. <laughs> that sounds a lot like MTV. <laughs> I believe that. Oh, nice. Okay, so... Yeah, and then from there, I got tired of... The company became enormous, and it was just too much, and I said adios. And then I went and started my own much smaller IT company, and I was very happy with that. We were T-Rex computing. Okay. And now I don't do anything with computers. Oh. I switched entirely. Oh, wow. So now, now what are and you now doing? I am now a partner in a wine and spirit shop. Okay. So, yeah, Wait, that's totally different. <laughs> I'm a serial entrepreneur. I just go with whatever drops in front of me. <laughs> Very cool. All right. So I think we've covered everything. <laughs> and maybe a little extra. Uh, why not? Yeah. <laughs> All right. So I guess my last couple of questions. Uh, if MTV were to call you all back like they've done with the first cast of The Real World for a mm -hmm. reunion show, would you do it? Absolutely. Oh, nice. Oh, that'd be such fun to see everybody again. Yeah, it seems like everyone still keeps in touch somewhat. I do. As you know, Christian Leando and I were never on the show at the same time. He came to work at the company I was at. Oh, no way. In the, at the dawn of the internet. He was one of our geniuses. Oh, my God. He went on. I mean, I'm sure you know, he's like the king of IT at the New York Times now. Right. And you guys just sort of met completely and aside. And we figured out after becoming friends that we had both been on Club MTV. Oh, my God. It's a small world. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, he's he's awesome. He is one of the best people in the world. Uh, he, <laughs> Just all around. He really is. He uh, made like a whole care package thing for me maybe like a year or two ago. That he had everyone sign? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I remember. That's the nicest thing. <laughs> he's a thoughtful, wonderful person. I can't say enough good things about him. Yeah, definitely looking forward to chatting with him. And then... Oh, you guys haven't spoken yet. Not yet. Um, he's sort he's of... He's a busy dude. <laughs> very, yeah. And he's like, in the meantime, I think, 
you should definitely talk to Leslie. So. Oh, nice. Yeah. Always thinking of others. <laughs> and then my last question, what was your favorite song to dance to on the show? Street Tough. Ooh, Rebel MC. Yep. All right. When I put this episode up, I will include that to close out the show. Okay, so yeah, thank you so much. (laughs) This was a lot of fun. And that was my interview with Leslie Bell. She's fantastic. Uh, If you want to follow the podcast on social media, those links will be in the show notes. Also, don't forget, check out Club MTV fan page on YouTube, where we're still in the midst of our 1988 deep dive there's a ton of great clips and full episodes of the show up there for you to get into i've got something extra special cooking for next week's episode i won't say too much about who the guest is just in case it falls through but i will say it should be a very tempting conversation so i'll leave you with that (laughs) Anyway, let's close this thing out with Street Tough from Rebel MC. You know what it is? I'm just too tough.